This episode of The Cutting Room is sponsored by Grass Valley's Edius 6. Check out the new Edius 6 at www.grassvalley.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Now, it's been just a little under a week since our last podcast, and I know you're probably thinking, why is he coming back so soon? Well, I got a call a couple weeks ago about a book called The Healthy Edit, put out by Focal Press, written by John Rosenberg. And I got sent a copy of this book, and I started reading it, and decided to do an interview with John Rosenberg. I thought I should get this out as quickly as possible so people can get a hold of this book if they're interested. What I loved about this book is that it takes a slightly different approach to editing, and it comes from the perspective of a fixer or a edit doctor. Something we hear lots about in the industry, someone who's hired to be brought in by the studio to fix the project. However, it's more focused towards young editors or people interested in, in edit doctors. So it's looking at how to build a healthy cut or how to build a, a strong cut. What also impressed me with this book was that John looked at other aspects that he involves with his work. That includes bringing in other art forms and ideas, such as referencing War and Peace or even thinking about Marshall McLuhan's theories of media. Now that's enough of me talking. Let's hear what John has to say. We're going to do this in two parts. First part's going to be John introing how he got into film editing and then talking about how he became an editor and then talking about how he got into write this book and some of the content of the book and then part two we're going to focus more on the book now no one's gotten our forward film review and since we're, we're rushing to get this this podcast out so you guys can hear john we're uh not going to do a major update this week to our forward film review for those of you who are in new york we're going to be in new york for new york edit fest which is in the first few weeks of june We'll also be in L.A. for the L.A. Edit Fest in August. So make sure to check it out. For New York's Edit Fest, you can go to editfestny.com. To check out the healthy edit, you can go to focalpress.com. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the interview now. And after the interview, I'll reiterate our four-word film review. So enjoy the interview. How did you get into film editing? Yeah, I actually... uh... I actually avoided it initially. I was I went to UCLA Film School, and I actually didn't like editing at the time. And it, I only happened to get into it because I'd made a few of my own films, and I was working as a DP and and you know an aspiring director. And a uh, friend called up and said that uh, he was he had read a this script called Terminator he was offered to be the assistant editor on that. Mm-hmm. And he really liked the script. He, was, he wanted to go on to that, but he had to get somebody to replace him. Mm-hmm. So he wondered if I wanted to take the gig for the summer. So I said, I don't really know that much about assistant editing. Actually, I know nothing about assistant editing, but I've edited a couple of my own movies. So mm-hmm. sure. So they, uh, I went in, I interviewed, and, and they said, you know, you're hired. <laughs> Interestingly, the uh, I was there, you know, for a couple of weeks, and I was just kind of figuring this is temporary because I really am not an editor. I'm not into editing. But in a, after a few weeks, the studio shut the thing down, fired everybody because they didn't like the cut they were getting. Wow. And but I didn't know that. I was actually going to the bathroom. <laughs> I was going <laughs> walking down the hall, and I ran into this guy who I got engaged with chatting with. And finally, he asked me like, "Where's the production office?" So I showed him where the production office was and then went off to the bathroom. When I came back, everybody was kind of lined up in, like in a firing squad and being told by the producer because there were multiple editors. And because it was on film, there were, I don't know, eight 
assistance. Wow. So the producer was letting them all go. And standing next to him was this guy who I'd chatted with in the hallway. And it turned out he was the film doctor. He was the guy that 20th Century Fox had brought in to fix the film. Oh, wow. So as I was walking out, and I was like, that's fine. I'll go back to doing what I do. He grabbed my arm and said, you wait here. I've been editing ever since. Oh, wow. You know, I ended up being his assistant. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we did five films together. I I absolutely loved editing. Yeah, I, I thought this is... This is awesome. What was it that in film school that you didn't like, and then you discovered something else? At I think old? in film school, it was so much tedious stuff where you had to log it and code it. And also, you know, the, there's the initial draw of you know, being on the set and the excitement of being on the set and the camaraderie of being on the set and shooting the film and all that, which, which I still like. But I... I thought that was making the movie. I didn't realize until I actually got in a professional situation that editing is making the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, that's really where the movie is made. And and the excitement of seeing it from the very beginning to the very end, where you actually put it up on the big screen after you finally mixed it, and, mm-hmm. or you take it to a test screen and you go, wow, you know, this is it. Yeah. So that was so compelling. And just the joy of being in the editing room and being able to... I sit there and play with this stuff and make something happen, especially you know in scenes where things weren't happening. Mm-hmm. How absolutely ecstatic you can be, you know, when you see when you do something that is completely unexpected or un, maybe even unintended. It completely changes the tone of the movie or of the scene or of a character. I want to jump to your book. How did I guess? Could you describe uh, the structure that you chose for the book and? Why did you feel that the doctor and the prescription sort of structure that you created uh, would make for an interesting approach for a film editing book? That's a good question. I've had quite a bit of experience as a film doctor as well as an editor. So it seems like about half the films I do, mm-hmm. or more than half, are, I do, I've started from the beginning, you know, with the uh, dailies, and I go through and I cut the film and see it through to the end. But I've actually had quite a few experiences where I've been asked to come in and recut a film as a film doctor. And I, it occurred to me early on, actually, when I started teaching, and I was kind of explaining this to students, that the analogy worked really well with medicine, mm-hmm. you know, what editing is. And I, it was a, also an angle, and I was able to pitch it to Focal Press with that angle. Originally, it was called Fix It in Post, but ironically, after all these years of that phrase being around, they had just bought a uh, book called Fix It in Post that somebody had done. It was purely technical. It was about color correction, fixing audio you know, glitches, things like that. It, it had nothing to do with the aesthetics of editing. So they wouldn't go with that title, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but they loved the idea. They were, it was amazing because I just sent them the proposal expecting this is a long shot, right? And yeah, actually, I wasn't even going to do it. My wife encouraged me. She said, you've got to send them. So finally, I sent it to them. I figured well, I'll never hear back, or I'll hear back in six months and all that. And I heard back like a week or two later, and they said that we're really interested in this. Just send us some more information. And I sent them some more information, and they wrote back, "We want to go ahead with this." So oh wow! It was yeah, it was pretty exciting. But then, then, then it dawned on me, Christ, I have to you now write the thing. You touched on something that I thought is uh, really important, especially for young editors or, or students. Many editors might find themselves 
replacing or filling in for previous editors on projects. What are some of the political implications of this, and how would you advise a young editor or student to approach in a, a situation like this or a job like this? My general approach is to, it kind of depends on the situation. I, I don't encourage them to fire the, the editor who's there. I'd rather you know, work with the editor who's mm-hmm. there. Um, in some cases, though, the editor who was there is already gone. Yeah. And then they're, they're desperate and they're looking for somebody. At this point, they're skittish, so they'll say, I've had this happen quite a few times, well, can you come in for a couple of weeks and look at it and kind of make a few tweaks, you know, kind of see where we are. So I, I agree to that. I, I, I say sure, because I know that after two weeks, they're going to see such a big difference, uh, you know, that they'll, they'll realize what we've got to do. And, yeah. You know, that's generally been the case. You know, as a matter of fact, one film, they said, can you come in for two weeks? I ended up being there for over a year because I just went back to the very first frame and just started recutting the film. It, it kind of depends whether there's, there's, the editor is still there or whether the editor has gone. But I, mm-hmm. I, I never encourage them to, you know, fire the other person. Yeah. Often, yeah, or, or in some cases, it may not even really be their fault that the editor gets blamed yeah. at times. You know? To jump back to the doctor reference, does an editor require a specific bedside manner? And how would you help students or tell students to develop this? I think a bedside manner is very important for an editor because you, you're you kind of taking care of their baby. Mm-hmm. And you want to let them know that their baby is in the best hands possible. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things, and I'm sure you've experienced this, you get stressful or you're, you're dealing with deadlines or the film, maybe you come in on a film and it's not working mm-hmm. and you want to kind of put them at ease mm-hmm. and, you know, and project confidence that you're going to take care of it for them. But you can't fake it, mm-hmm. on the other hand. You know, you have to a little bit have, not even a little bit, you, you have to have a sense that you can do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, that comes from probably having done it before and also understanding the process and, or have you read a book about <laughs> taking a class in it or, you know, whatever, that you, you understand where you have to go with it mm-hmm. and that you're the one to do it. Okay. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's important. And, also, you know, everybody knows there's politics involved, too. Yeah. So you have to be able to navigate that mm-hmm. you know, with, a, with a, I think, graciously and with a sense of humor. I, I loved the constant references to other arts or other disciplines. Oh, yes, I appreciated that you picked up on that. On the first page, you reference, you know, Gutenberg and the printing press, the Xerox machine, and now Final Cut Pro. Do you feel that there's a threat from inexperienced editors using Final Cut Pro or Avids at home? And do you also see that their sort of naivete can have an actual positive effect in the direction of films? That's an interesting question. But I don't quite know what you mean by threat. Uh, threat in terms of one's job or threat in terms well, I was thinking of more the, of the, the the art form yeah the art form and the quality of of what's being put out you know I actually like because I also teach you know, occasionally mm-hmm. I'm amazed at what the students come up with sometimes mm-hmm. and you know I really appreciate how creative they can be but on the other hand it's a question though it, with the wide availability of these systems if uh, if what you're going to get back is always of quality. Mm-hmm. And and I would suppose it's not. It, I mean, just like what you were saying, you know, a lot of people, students who know how to push all the buttons. A lot of 
the students really understand the software well, but they do not understand the aesthetics of it. And I think you're seeing that in a lot of films. So that I guess I'm answering this in two ways. One, there's a lot of innovation, an opportunity for innovation, and experimenting with the medium. But there's also dearth of real storytelling, which is ultimately what editing is, beyond the cuts and beyond the you know the the principles of editing and you know making a smooth cut and a smooth transition. You ultimately are telling a story, and that comes first. And it's it's interesting because. Yeah, especially with with YouTube, it's almost a constant rewrite of mm-hmm. of stories where you just ma- you know if someone puts up a video, then someone else takes it and retells the story or redoes it and constantly redeveloping right. the story. They, yeah, like they may revoice it mm-hmm. or they may put different music on it or chop it up in a different way. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a fascinating phenomenon. Well, and and YouTube's released their own editing system. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, I, didn't, I haven't seen that. It's uh, on, like, if you log into YouTube, uh-huh. you can actually, once you've uploaded your videos, you can choose to edit them. But it's very sort of iMovie-ish, and, you know, you grab your shot, you put it in, and make a cut. There's no major effects or anything. But you have multiple tracks, so you have a video track, you have an audio track. You have video or... and audio, but I think that's about it. So, like, I can't put 10 tracks of video in or 20 oh. audio. Right. It's very, it's very rudimentary at the moment. Uh-huh. But it's also very interesting in where it could go. Yeah, the potential is, is of course, very wide. And, and now Final Cut Pro has their new Final Cut X out. Yeah, yeah. Which also has, is bringing new potential. But you know how it is. The technology, it's a relationship, especially in an art form like filmmaking, where it's so technologically based. Mm-hmm. The technology informs some of the storytelling, and the storytelling informs some of the technology. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and certainly the technology is developed to tell to help tell the story, but in in the appearance of the technology, it also encourages new kind of experimentation and all. Yeah, which is kind of exciting, is because it makes me think of the um, cinema verite. You know, they get the lighter cameras, so let's try just going and shooting. You know, right? Yeah, you're right. You know, that's a good analogy. That the lighter cameras that they have, like the Eclair and so on, and mm-hmm. the, and the Nagra recorder. It, only made that possible. You yeah. wouldn't have had that possibility before. Yeah, and it's becoming much more owning the means of production, if you will. You know, whereas, of course, in the 40s, the only place you could do any film editing was the studio because the equipment was so expensive and it was so heavy and, and it took up rooms to store all that stuff, you know, all the film and so on. Well, that's my interview with John Rosenberg. Now, just a reminder, the four-word film review has not been figured out. And it's the big gill. The big gill. Now you'll notice that Lauren's not here with me. It's because we're doing a fast uh, turnaround on this podcast. So she's off. She works in the book industry. She used to work in the film industry. So she's off working on books right now. We'll have her back next week. Okay? So I'd like to thank Focal Press for setting this interview up. John Rosenberg. My producer, Lauren Woodcock. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.